Now, mind you, the whole time I was involved in, let's say, I wasn't gang banging, but I was affiliated with the gang bang lifestyle. So I had this always dual personality that I was dealing with where I had to be like authentically yeah. from the hood, but then I had to be articulate. Right, in, in school, Calabasas. Right, right. Knock him out the box, Rick. Knock him out, Rick. Knock him out the box. Live in the place to be. In the secret location. Sparks. 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 Yes. S-P-A-R-K-S. Nice. That's my government. Government issued. Government issued. Danny Sparks. People think I made it up like some yeah. porn thing. But That's a good really, name. That could really be in a lot of different film yes. genres. Danny Sparks. I'm ready for it. It's like, it's me. You can Slate. cross over. <laughs> this is Danny Sparks. Take one. <laughs> That's all we need. Just one take IG is all live, we need. IG Live, hello. IG Live. So Danny Sparks, man. Tell me who you are. My name is Danny Sparks. I'm an entrepreneur, television, television producer, music producer, and a Porsche lover. All in that order. How did you figure those things out? How did you become who you are today? How long have you been this person that you are today? Would you say? The iteration that you're seeing today has existed for probably about 10 years. Um, I own a business that's a waterless car wash. Started as a mobile car wash. And so what became of that was I used to do security, right? Like uh, at a HOA. Yeah. And so I was getting into acting. And so I got a role on a TV show called Uncle Buck for NBC. Not okay. even a real big thing, but they needed me for like two weeks. I remember Uncle I, Buck. I did, but not the John Candy yeah, one. Yeah. This was Mike Epps on NBC probably yeah, yeah. 10 the years show, ago almost. Right. So anyway, um, they needed me for longer than I had vacation for. So I ended up getting fired from the security job. And what I did was I took the money from the Uncle Buck thing, a few grand, and I started my car wash. And so I would go to people's houses and wash their cars. And it built up to the number one car wash in Santa Monica. How did you know to start a car wash? Why did you do that? It wasn't. So I gave you the. What sparked quick, that? No pun intended. <laughs> Uh, what sparked that was my love of cars. So okay. what I, I went down a list of businesses that I could do. So I wanted to like try to be a dog walker, a tutor, um, car wash, even say maybe I'll go back to school and be some type of technician for cars or something. I really wanted to leave the space of damn, this is my job into like, yo, what's my career? Right. And so at the same mm. time, I needed something that could support a family because I'm married with three kids. So I can't just be no starving artist. Right. And so as luck would have it, one car turned into five, five turned into 10. Um, the Wilshire Fairmont Hotel called me to wash their fleet of cars. So after I washed their fleet of cars in another hotel, Shutters called me to wash a fleet of cars. And so what happened was I started to install my car wash into hotels. And so at that point, I was less hands-on. And so I was able to make more money and work less. So you scaled it. Was and there something yeah. unique about your car wash or, or, or you just did a yes. great job? The unique thing about my car wash was that if you booked a car wash, still to this day, if you book a car wash, we're going to show up. We're going to do a good job. And you're not going to, if you're dissatisfied, you're not going to pay for it. That's unique in the sense of right now, if you get a good guy, to, it's like a good housekeeper. She might come for a few months, but there's going to be a time where she's sick or a catastrophe or grandma got cancer again or something like that. With me, we show up. It's like we're very um, reliable. 
So you built up a pretty big team. I built up team. a reputation. My team, I had over 140. This is pre-COVID. Yeah. All the way down there. My biggest contract was um, the valet department at Torrey Pines Golf Course, where if you go to the golf course at that time and you wanted a car wash, it would be through my company. But with COVID, all of that kind of shriveled up. But it helped me segue myself to uh, start producing music. So through the car wash, I was able to buy all of this equipment renovate a part of my house to make it a studio and do independent stuff. And then also to uh, produce television as well. And so I do shorts for people, profiles, commercials for businesses, stuff like that. So how did you get into that? Like, you, is that your, that was number, is that your number one passion? That was, it's to not produce my number one, my number content one. Content or, or music? What's like your, or, car, or, music, or cars? Music is more my passion because music, I could sit in a dark room for 12 hours and bang my computer. Gotcha. And and give and I could put it. I don't have to see anybody, talk to nobody, nothing. That's your zone. That's my real, real zone. Yeah. And so, and, and on top of that, I was always a Porsche guy. So another u- unique thing in my car wash is I would come wash your car in a Porsche. So I had an old mm-hmm. Porsche, a sixty-eight nine twelve, that was powder blue. And so when I pull up, is it's an interesting. You ain't never right. had a car washer. Were do you that. doing content? Making nah. content, promoting yourself. People would do it to me, like just word of mouth, me, word of mouth. And the I Porsche never angle, the Porsche angle. That's okay, because I was and like, I never advertised my car wash. I still don't advertise it. I don't. This right now is the most that I've talked outward yeah. about it. How much is a car wash? Average point of sale is eighty eight dollars for okay. a car wash. So it's like a nice high end detailed car wash. It's yeah. and high end cars. Yeah, this isn't for like. This isn't right. the regular. No, but it, it's really, I wash a Yugo. I wash a Honda. Right. Court. But if you love that car like that, you spend that money. Right. And that's what it is. Gotcha. Got so, it. So, yeah. So, I segue that into less hands-on. So, I still run my car wash. But more right now is about my creative side. So, I'm able to take losses. So, I could do projects right. where I'm investing in them. I might not get what I put in, but it don't kill me. And so, mm-hmm. Porsche is also... One of my, um, and I'm trying to parlay that into like, how can I get paid to drive my Porsche every day? That's the kind of guy I am. Like if I'm doing, if we're doing this talking, like you, you said, y'all like to talk and chill with people. How can I get paid for that? You right. start creating it. Right. And so that's kind of where my thing went. Right. But not everybody can like execute like that. Like, what do you think was the difference for you? Well, my shit was like this. It came down, me and my wife sat down and was like, yo, I got six months of the rent. That That's what made me do it. Like the car wash, like that's why I cared. When I wash somebody's car at that time, I might be on your car for two hours. Why? Because I really need that money from right. you. And so in that was like an inherent, like uh, the mission statement was formed of my business because it's like, yo, you need to care about what you're doing. Right. Everything I do, I care about it. So I'm going to do it to the fullest. So that just rolled over. And so so uh, take us back to your childhood. Like, like, my childhood. yeah. Like, can you tell me like, from wh- South how did you become this person? Yeah. Like, where'd you grow up? <clears throat> what were your struggles? You know what I mean? Cause take you, a shot before that. Yeah, take a shot. Let's let's. He drink said he's like, let's go We're back to go South deep. Central. He's like, oh shit, I yeah. didn't know I was on the therapy couch. Now here it comes. Yeah. No, I like uh, to know how you, because like for other people, man, to inspire others to like, get over whatever struggles they had. So I came up in South Because you seem like you got it all together. Like, oh, I I, I started this. I'm I worked it up. I'm a mess. I'm uh-huh. a mess. But I, I keep it. <laughs> I'm one of those people, like, you visit their house, 
and the house looks clean, right? But there's this one closet that's bursting and shit, you know? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bunch of things, but um, so I was raised in South Central LA. Uh, when I was younger, I used to get bus from the hood to like nicer schools out in Calabasas. I went to Where'd Calabash Elementary and okay. I went to Hale Junior High. Oh, my kids went to Hale. Hale George Ellery Hale. And so Who I was supposed good? to go to El Camino, El Camino but yeah. I didn't. I ended up going to Crenshaw High School, Okay, which was perfect for me because I had a, a sensibility where I knew a bunch of Jewish kids. Like when I was young, I didn't know what Jewish was. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And so my exposure to other cultures rounded me. Right. So then when I went back to Crenshaw, it was a little bit of culture shock. Now, mind you, the whole time I was involved in, let's say, I wasn't gang banging, but I was affiliated with the gang bang lifestyle. So I had this always dual personality that I was dealing with where I had to be like authentically yeah. from the hood. But then I had to be articulate. Right. In, in Calabasas. Right. Right. Which I didn't know at the time. Most of those kids were scared of me because of where we came from. Yeah. And so it really kind of culminated when I went to San Diego State because there was a full mixture. I was able to seamlessly move through every group of people. Right. Like I do right now. Because now you got everybody kind of on this level playing field, living out on campus from all different neighborhoods yeah. versus you got the, the, the haves in Calabasas and then people getting bust in and they're looking at you maybe differently. It's like an even But I was field. legit though, because in Calabasas, so I like to freestyle BMX. So I did... I did things that my friends in Calabasas were doing at a legit level. Yeah. But then back in the hood, I was able to be authentic because I lived there. So right. it wasn't just that I had these two components of me. It was that I thrived in both of mm -hmm. them. I was popular in the hood, but also popular in Calabasas. Right. And so I was able to always translate that. Like even today, if I meet somebody, I'm real. Well, I'm like 95 percent able to like read mm -hmm. where they're at. And I can like kind of talk to them in their way. Make them feel comfortable because you yeah. understand different worlds. It's really assimilation, but I mean, I, I like to do it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Same for me, just saying. Yeah. Like coming as immigrants, we lived Where'd like you come near from? the projects from Ukraine. Oh, shit. Coming when I was four with nothing. That's a real project. So like, yeah, we were, oh, the real yeah, ghetto. we lived in a that's tiny, the real that's the real yeah. ghetto. We lived in a, from. we lived in a 10 by 10 apartment with like five people like our family like my Holy grandma shit. my mom and dad my brother in a tiny Damn. shared a kitchen with like five families or seven families that was the real ghetto but yeah when i travel so places, i understand I that, that and i understand even living near the projects here but then also coming up and living in more of like middle class areas and yeah. then assimilating knowing assimilating. how to talk in that environment and Chameleon. this environment yeah and that's our survival yes so what you see from my childhood was a kid who um, at one point I used to dream about everything, dream about all this stuff. Like I want the next level thing. And so in the hood, it's like they teach you, like, take it. You need to be aggressive. And then when I'm not in the hood, the other worlds, they're like, no, you need to work hard, be consistent. So I was able to mix mm. a little of the two where when it's time to be like assertive and go for it, I always think to those tough times, like, yo, I was able to get through that. Mm hmm. I could get that next Porsche or, I mean, now it's trivial things that right. I go through, but um, it did, it was a little bit of a hill to climb to get to where I'm at right, right now. So the, the, the busing was good though. That was a good experience. Would you say? Yes. Overall. The busing, 
I think the busing, what the busing did for me was it showed me the city, like in a weird way. Yeah. Because I've never, I would have never been on the 101. But then also what happens is uh, the one-on-one closes sometimes. So the bus have to take the canyon. Yeah. So we would be in the canyon. I would be freaked out because it feel like we in like Brazil or Peru, like on those one of <laughs> cliff, you know, the yeah. cliff sides, even though it's like two in a canyon, it's like right. nothing. But I would still like think like, wow, this world is bigger than right. the world I know Right. at that time. Interesting. And now I race through the, well, not race, but I do spirited driving through those streets, same right. streets right. that I was being bused through right. 30 years ago. That's what it is a lot of times, man. Like kids don't get exposed to things. Like right. we talked about doing what you love or figuring out who you are. How are you supposed to do that in this complex world if you don't get exposed to 99% of the opportunities out there? Absolutely. What if you're a surfer growing up in South Central and you've never been surfing, Right. This is a lesson I'm trying to teach my kids. And this is what I would say to anyone who's listening to this right now. If you if there's something you think you want to be, go to where they do that. Just that's just as simple as that. So and you might not understand what that means. So uh, like I have a son who's 19 and he likes party promoting and things like that. Mm. And I'm like, yo, you're too young to get into a bar, but you could get into one of these clubs. Go to the top club. Soak in that atmosphere, that energy. Could you do this? Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I've been on TV sets. I could do it. I've been on uh, studio sessions. I can do that. But I had to see it. Right. Yeah, because before that, it was a dream. Like, you imagine what it would be, but it's never what you imagine. Man, preach into the choir, man, for sure. Put yourself there. Go, go talk to the person that's doing the thing that you're right. thinking about doing. Explore. That's what that's what I think, uh, like your story, you you went for it. Like you decided you're going to do it. You went for it. Right. You couldn't get there maybe directly, but you took other angles and then and found still, opportunities. As I'm you still went. going. Yeah. You know, I still have goals. I want to I want to get into real estate. I really want to try passive income things. But I'm also learning that I like people. So passive income you're not really dealing with people. So like you can own vending machines or laundromats, but you're not like socializing. Right. So that's where like my TV production and other things and I'm that other direction, that's where that comes in. So what do you want to do with that? You have like an ultimate dream or goal that you want to do with so film I, production? Or yeah. So I used to be, <clears throat> excuse me, I used to be an actor, stand-up comedian. And so those things are very fun for me, but... I hated the audition process. I hated the approval or hoping for the approval of other people. And so I said, you know what, man? I don't want to audition anymore. I'm just going to produce my own stuff that I star in, right? And so as I started to do that, I figured I like directing and getting a product to the uh, market more than I like acting. Mm -hmm. And so now what I've turned to is actually directing and producing my own um projects and so right now i'm working on a tv show that's um and i do my own pilot i develop it myself for my own money or raise funds to get it off the ground and then i bring it to the market and when i say the market uh distribution so networks content people who need money if you want to youtube even whatever and so that's where that's taking me and awesome, it feels man. good because yeah. I, I always drive by where I used to do security in my Porsche now. where right. I'm like, I have to remember that. Right. And so it just feels really good. 
to do that. What do you? What would you say was uh, like the biggest struggle you had to overcome? The biggest struggle in your life. The biggest struggle I had to overcome was the instant gratification curse. Like right now, we live in a world where if you want to do something, you feel like if you didn't do it within a month that you failed. I had to get over that. And so what happened was I had to know that today I was a success. If I got progress, is is a success, mm-hmm. right? So um, who said this? Napoleon Hill, I think. One of them, or the strangest secret is where um, success is just progression towards a goal. Right. It ain't the goal. It's right. getting closer to it. So the biggest hurdle for me would be where I would do an assessment. I say, man, you know, I want this. Let's just keep it simple. I want this Porsche, another Porsche. Man, I haven't got it yet. Or maybe I'm saving my money. I have another thousand. Oh, man, but the car costs 50,000. I'm never going to have this car. But what I learned is the time is going to pass anyway. What are you doing with that time? Right. Get closer to it. And then what happened was I got so caught up in the moment by moment, foot one foot in front of the other, that when I got the Porsche, I didn't even realize I was still saving. Right. And I was still like in that mode, like I need to be at this goal. And my wife had to stop me and say, stop, look at where you at. Right. Everything that you wanted, my vision board, everything on there, you got. So you got in now, that habit of, of progression, man. Constant improvement, I'm still which is how it. we should be. Like, I totally agree. The, the perfectionism, man, is such a curse. Like, I, I battle all the time. Like, yeah. you start getting frustrated with yourself. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that that history isn't going to repeat itself a lot of times. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, That's funny. When you've been struggling with something, let's say, for a long time, it's hard to go, no, I'm going to be different and keep working on that. It's easy to go, I'm never going to do it. Because I've always been that way, and that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. And if you think that way, it's, it's true. It's over. Yeah, you got no whatever shot. you think is right. You're right. right. And so I wake yeah, that up. That book, Napoleon Hill, man. I mean, yeah. that was written a long time ago, but yeah. all the same. As a man thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the richest man. The in richest Babylon. man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, I did a lot of uh, Jim Rohn. I would get into all kind of motivational speakers, but um, for me, really, what that it helped was, me a lot was too. By the fear. way, man. Also, it was a guy named Phil Stutz. He's a great psychiatrist. And he helped me for a few years where like I have a huge anxiety thing where I'll defeat myself before I get out of bed, you know? And so he taught me how to run into my fears, which is another thing with the Porsches is like the driving, the, the, the way you drive a Porsche is when you're in trouble, you have to step on the gas. That's like counterintuitive to really? everything you've ever thought. So if you're going into a turn and you're in trouble, you need to be on the throttle so you have control of the car to go through the problem. Wow. And so in life, it's the same way. When I kind of second guessing myself, I need to really do what I'm scared to do. Right. And that's been my story. Everything. That's why you see me right here. Same, man. Yeah. I didn't even know why I was doing scary things for a while, but that's what it was, man. I was like practicing. I was trying to get myself ready to do the things I want to do. And when you do something that scares you, it disappears. Right. But if you don't do it, it grows and it chases exactly. you. Exactly. That's Phil Stutz, the tools. Yeah. I'm dropping a lot of books and shit. I'm not. It's <laughs> hey. no plugs. Hey, but. same with me, man. I had to go through and learn from the masters. That's right. Like other people have figured it out, so That's right. we had to do it too. I didn't Copy. know a lot of this stuff. Copy that success. Exactly, man. Copy the right cat. They say. Absolutely. So, what's your? Tell us what's the show called. So the show, the working title. How do we follow your show? How do we follow you? 
so you can follow me. I, I'm one of them guys that has like a, uh, I used to spam people with my car stuff on Instagram. And so now I have different Instagrams, but just follow some guy in a 997. And what I do is my whole life is on that now. I have a personal one that like, if my mom want to know what's up with me, I, I use that one. I have a music one, but don't, you know, that's just promotion. Um, so some guy in a 997 on Instagram and my show is called The Crest. And um, what it's about is about Angeles Crest Highway and the mountain that um, the part of the Angeles National Forest that sits in between La Kenyatta Flint Ridge and Wrightwood. Mm -hmm. So uh, most of my friends know it from events that we go to, like Good Vibes up there at Newcombs Ranch. But my show is more about the culture of the mountain. So people who live up there, us who drive up there, real estate people who have to navigate selling property up there in this weird place that sits just 10 miles away from all civilization. Right. And so that show is, um, it's a self-contained docu-style series. So meaning that no, you don't have to watch episode one to get episode two. And it follows uh, profiles of interesting people like your show, but on the mountain. Right. So it's like, it's a reality. It's a documentary style though. It's not reality TV, but it's showing it is kind reality of reality because yeah, it's showing the real reality. Yeah. Cause reality nothing, TV isn't reality. That's right. What I'm I was saying. just going to say nothing it's that more of a docu on TV is on accident. So it does have an element of, I, I am producing it. it. I am getting you from point A to point right. B. Telling a story. Telling a story. But the stories are so dope that you I'm really not even writing them. I'm curating right. the parts of your story that I think should be showcased. Right. Which is what a good documentary does, right? I mean, exactly. they're still curating. They're still producing, to, trying to figure out what the story is as they go and maybe moving the, the, the people so, with yeah. that story. So I don't really write it per se. I take your story and when I get it to the editing bay, I say, this is what this really meant. And I polish it down to that. But is it just, is it sit downs too? Or it's like. It's sit, it's sit downs. It's, um, it's, uh, not steady cams, a running gun. Gotcha. Um, it's meant to look like the highest quality of like, if you did a day with your phone on Instagram, like, Hey, look, I'm here. Right. You it, might it, meet somebody at a, at a, at a for lunch. You might go to the project. Have Got you, it. You yeah. 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 I hate when people give reference references and you haven't seen it. Yeah. So um, Blair Witch Project, if you guys haven't seen that, it looks like some freaking people out with a cell phone right. video or camcorder. camcorder but right. that's a camera crew and everything was planned. But that mm -hmm. movie tricked me. But I loved it because I was like at the end, that like, camera like drops. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's amazing. So I want that same feel. Yeah. Where it feels very like you're natural. there. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. That's cool. And that'll be right. released soon. I, I'm just trying to figure out how to release it. I'm still shopping it. If you got money, let me know. Right. <laughs> hey, you gotta have, gotta put gas a, in the car, a man. Slight, a slight check. Hey, it could be your name on the credits. Hey, but, Porsche uh, just sitting there unless somebody puts gas in it, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Need the capital. Exactly. I meant to ask you one more thing, like as far as like acting and, and film and production, like how did you get into that? Like when did you know you wanted to do that? Was it an early age? Did you? Get involved with yeah, theater, was, like what? I never did, did theater. Um, when I was in high school, I always liked. I felt like acting wasn't a job. I felt like yo, they getting paid to pretend. I could do that, but everybody feels like that. And then Denzel did Malcolm X, and I'm like, I'm black, halfway handsome. I could do that. You know, everybody <laughs> right. has that inside of them. And so, I, I not everybody, from, but yeah, I they, guess I'm feeling that yeah. way. 
And so I didn't act on it until after college. And so I kind of had, I played football in college. So I thought obviously I was going to be a football guy that fell apart quickly. And when it came to work, obviously I'm 21, 22. I don't want to work. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to go into acting. And so when I went into acting, I, I went to the Acme Improv Theater and I was just talking over everybody, breaking all the improv rules. And so the instructor came to me and he said, you're a stand-up comedian. You're not an improv actor. Hmm. And so I was like, whatever that means. And so he sent me to a comedy club, the Improv Comedy Club. And so I met a few friends there and I did stand-up comedy for 13, 14 years. And so- um, How was that? That's, that is one of the scariest things you can do. I took a stand-up comedy is. class to conquer the fear. I was at the comedy I was store. so scared, I, man. I would do the open mics and stuff like yeah. that. And then eventually I was able to do friends and family and stuff like that. Yep. But what pulled me away from stand-up, the reason I don't do I still get out. But the reason I don't do it every night is because it's hard for me to walk out the house at 9 o'clock for work. Mm. That's not the type of work I want. Right. It's a different lifestyle. It's way sure. different. But at the time when I was like at the height of it, it mm -hmm. was it was love, bro. I felt like a rock star. Mm -hmm. Even though I was getting pennies, it, it felt like, yo, yeah. they paid me $100. All we did was drink and eat wings and talk shit about that lady in the front row. And so I did that. And so then I started doing a bunch of podcasts. When podcasts came out, I was with John Lovitz mm, doing his yeah. stuff um, at City Walk. And I think what pulled me out of comedy, too, was then I started getting into even producing shows. And so I found that even with comedy, it was more money and like mm -hmm. producing a right. show than being on a show. Right. And so all of that is like made me who I am today, where it's like, yo, I would rather put something together and sell it to y'all as opposed to like being, and this is my story. If you're an actor, write it out because most of the successful working actors are the guys who you see their headshot over and over again. They show up to all these auditions, but that, that kind of did, I didn't break through that wall. But if you want to do something, break through the initial wall of whatever's stopping you from doing it, and you will get to where you want to get. But sometimes also be realistic where you want to get. But see, and this is what I'm hearing, you, you go for it, you're trying to break through the wall, but you also are putting yourself in an environment that might create other opportunities that you don't know about. Like, you wouldn't have known that you wanted to produce content right. if you hadn't gone to acting because it pulled you in and then stand up and so forth right you gotta be willing to try things well it's See, a, that's it's that's one of the keys i'm hearing in your it's story the football it's the audible yeah you know and that's another lesson that i've learned is that sometimes your dream what you thought it was when you were in bed is not what you really wanted so you want you wanted a version of that that you don't know exists until you go see it right and so that's like what we were saying before is like to know what it exactly looks like. So right. your vision board might have a house on a hill, but now what I tell my kids, what hill? Where's right. that hill? How many bedrooms is that house? The more specific you dream, the easier it is to achieve what you're dreaming about. Because it feels real, and then it allows you to reverse engineer it. That's exactly then you go, what you oh, do. Well, what do I need How to do to cost? make that happen? Yep. And then what's the actual number? Yep. And so I, I used to sit, I used to do it wrong where I used to look at salaries. I would Google, or not at this time, Google, it would be like Netscape or whatever the fuck the internet was at mm -hmm. that time. Look up like the professions that make over a hundred thousand. Of course, doctor, lawyer, then you go down, pharmacist, whatever, different things. 
And I would be like, why is the trade-off so bad? Mm -hmm. Like, why do I have to do all of these years of school? Why do I have to do all of that? Then I learned doctors and lawyers, the highest bankruptcy cases of all time. So not that, not even that saves you. Right. So if you want to be rich, you have to figure out how much money is rich. Because I used to think a hundred thousand was rich. Right. And then I had a hundred thousand in my pocket one day and I'm like, wait a minute. Damn, that <laughs> After was fast. Taxes yeah, I'm rent. like, that was fast. <laughs> wait a minute. That, I thought I was rich. Same. Man. So once you have your specific number yeah. of what it, what you need, then you go for it. And it's like little by little. And before you know it, you halfway there. And then before you know it, you there. And then you got to make new dreams. That's where I'm at right now. Always. That's where the crest is. Always evolving, man. That's where the crest is. It's like, I, when is that coming out, by the way? There's no date on it. Right. Really, it's um, it is so talking with like it's the audible type stuff. Yeah. If I'm able to get the early development money that I want for it, then you're gonna see it somewhere broadcast really big somewhere. If I don't get the money that I want for it, then I'm gonna self-produce it and then it'll come out on a slow roll independently either through a website or a, se- a subsidiary of hulu or one of these places people don't know that all of these networks if you have content there's money i was on i did a nascar podcast called the right turn and we were the only it was me and a guy named daryl wright and we were the only two black guys doing nascar at the time and so i won't say the company but a a, a major company came to us and was like yo we just want y'all to be when people go to our website it was major website when they go to a website you like y'all pop up like you in the way and that was their way of like having content like mm-hmm. going going, right. going and so yeah because and that was a real check we can't that make enough content check yeah. and we i'm gonna <laughs> tell you it wasn't as nice as what we're doing right now it wasn't until i blew a hundred thousand that I understood that the money is not what I what I'm seeking is the security. Right. So a and lot to of be able to do what you, to experience this life how you security. want. Joy, joy is security. So for me, I like to get in my car and drive on these windy roads. Why? Because that when I'm on them windy roads, I'm feeling like I'm successful enough where I could do this hobby. It's security. Yeah. Because I know I got the house chilling, my family's chilling, everybody's good. But then where you lose that security is the things that are necessary for you to progress, you lose sight of. So if I'm not creating, if I start to like feel myself and I'm like, yo, you did good. Then I'm losing because I'm resting on my shit and I'm eating through. Yeah, man. And here's the thing. I, if I wanted security, if that was all that I needed for happiness, I would have stayed in corporate finance. No doubt. I took a very rough road, dude. Yeah. I took a rough road trying to do what it? I wanted. Yeah. How? Like, like I just I started getting my own, getting into my own businesses and not, and not having a job anymore. Yeah. You know, and I'm still doing, I do business consulting to pay the bills, yeah. but it wasn't enough for me, man. Like I had a, you know, I had an easy paycheck coming, but I wasn't, I wasn't happy. One of What's the up, hard, guys? One of the hardest things when you come from that and it's like the animal farm. You used to the bell ringing for breakfast. You used to the bell ringing for lunch. You used to the bell ringing for dinner. Someone else, you on someone else's program. Yeah. When you get on your own program, it's very hard because you're like, wait, should I be right. doing this right now? Or should I be working? <laughs> it's hard for us to plan our meals because right. you're like, wait, I feel like I'm at a disadvantage. I should be at work or whatever. So Exactly, man. It's give and take, man. But for me, that wasn't enough. 
just the security wasn't enough, man. Yeah, no doubt. Maybe I'll change my mind as as the bills pile up. <laughs> you ain't never gonna change your mind about. <laughs> no, because I like really freedom, want. man. Yeah, yeah, I like to do what I want. Yeah, and no but doubt. you gotta make money. So that you got to pay the bill. So it's finding that's that balance, like you that's said, where man. being realistic comes yeah. in also. Yeah. So for me, it was always like, I always think, what does it cost to be me for 30 days? Mm -hmm. If I know my bills, and no one's going to tell you this, like if you know your bills are $5,000, you need to make $15,000 every month. People don't want to hear that. Right. How, where am I going to come up with $15,000? If you come up with a keychain that you sell for a dollar, then scale it up, sell that keychain to a hundred people, make a hundred dollars profit. However you do it, that hundred dollars, scale that to 1000. All of a sudden you now making what you need to make. It, it starts little by little, but figure out what, what it costs to get to your dream. Like write it down, be a CPA about it, you know? And that's what I do with my TV show. Me and my partner, Stan, um, Stan Kaplan. I was about to say Stanislav. His name is Stanislav. Stan uh, Kaplan. We are now invoicing when we make our time, when we do a day, I say, okay, Stan, what's your rate? What's my rate? What's your camera's rate? What's these microphones rate? And then I do it with a timesheet. So when the investor come and I say, we need 30 grand, he goes for what? I right. go for this. Absolutely, man. And it's very easy to sell something that exists than it does like a dream. Oh, right. man, it's going to look great. Right. You got to package it yeah. and pitch it, have a sizzle reel. It, and it's funny you mentioned that because... It's what we've been talking about these last couple of months. Like, hey, now let's, because I want to be able to do it more. And if you're not getting paid for what you're doing, you can't, you only have a limited time to do it. And then also so, you have to, and, and then that's where the business mind comes in. You have to figure out how to do it with no money. That's the trick, man. Y'all just witness hey, a meeting here. Hey, man, that's the, that's the tough part, man. You know, people want to do what they love. Everybody's leaving their jobs doing what they love. But then monetizing, that's a whole nother level. Absolutely. That's where we get into the big league. So that's what we're going to talk. That's going to be part two. All right, man. I think our guests are showing up. Cheers. Danny thank you for Sparks. Me. Thank you, man. Salute. Hey, thank we got to do a, an extended session, go really deep. Yeah. Might need tissue and if for you that. And if you're going to walk away, did he cut me? If you're going to walk away from this, walk away from this knowing, know exactly what your dream is, and then you can get to it. That's it, baby. Visualize it first. Every detail. To dreams. To dreams. Knock him out the box, Rick. Knock him out, Rick. Knock him out the box.